Pops Daylight Donuts, man, they've got the best tasting donuts, sausage wraps, pastries, Northeast Oklahoma. And also, if you'll tell the staff there, hey, Scott Townsend said to give me a large spicy pig, they'll give you a free large spicy sausage wrap. But you have to tell them Scott Townsend sent you. So tell them, hey, Scott Townsend told me to tell you to give me a large spicy pig. So there's the offer. There's the, there's the call to action. So go to Pops Daylight Donuts. Say hi to Mark for me. And uh, yeah, go to Pops Daylight Donuts and get you some. The other sponsor is Castafly Outdoor Adventures. Adventure. That's where it begins. We look to create and document our moments in time while embracing the majestic wonder and beauty of the great outdoors. Our quest is to explore the back roads of the Ozarks, camping, fishing, and just getting lost. Refresh your spirit and join us on our next adventure. Paul and his crew invite you to subscribe to the Castafly Outdoor Adventures YouTube channel. Welcome to the Scott Townsend Show, brought to you by Dietzo Man Productions. Memory RNA that then is turned into um, whatever protein it is that your body wants to make. Well, in this case, we start with the mRNA, and mRNA breaks down in your system whenever it's made. Yeah, it's not a it's not a microchip or anything like that. It's just a little piece of the protein that the COVID virus uses to get into your cells. And then COVID virus can't get into your cells without that little piece of protein. So once you once your body has decided that it knows how to fight that, when it sees that protein, anytime it sees that protein, it will have an immediate immune response to it and a robust immune response to it, which in, um, for example, with the, the um, Pfizer vaccination, uh, 95% of the time it prevents you from getting any kind of infection with COVID at all. Um, and it has almost 100% efficacy in preventing you from getting like uh, either moderate or severe symptomatic COVID. Hey, this is Scott Townsend. Thanks for joining the Scott Townsend Show. And today I have with me uh, special guest, returning guest, Dr. Joshua Gentius. Oh Hi, my Scott. gosh. Hey, how's it going? Great. I had your bio pulled up here. My printer stopped, so it's on my phone now. He's a research director and director of evidence-based practice, uh, associate professor in the Department of Emergency Medicine at Oklahoma University School of Community Medicine. It's great to have you back. Nice to see you again, Scott. You and I have talked before about COVID, the pandemic. You know, then there was the mask, the we talked about the mask and social distancing and washing your hands, uh, why people should do that. Now we're into the vaccine phase that we've all been looking forward to. And uh, people are, I mean, there's all kinds, there, now there's new stuff to talk about. Right. And uh, so I have a list of questions here and I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to visit with us. There's like I said, there's a lot of rumors. There's a lot of hearsay. There's a lot of people who don't know. It's, it's amazing how many expert epidemiologists there are all of a sudden everywhere, you know? Right. Uh, so, um, I hope that people will get answers to questions that they have and uh, maybe help allay some fears out there uh, around these 
uh, vaccines or vaccinations? I'll just start asking questions and just, uh, f- you know, fire away. Great. Can I choose which COVID-19 vaccine I get? It's kind of difficult right now to choose the vaccine um, kind of based on, depending on where you want to go. Um, you can call around and um, try to find places that have a particular vaccine that you like. Um, but the message from the CDC right now is that the best vaccine for anybody is whichever one they can get first. Okay. And so I I guess I can say it. I got the Moderna one. That was... And then the first one was actually... Uh, it just felt like someone kind of punched me in the arm the next day. But other than that, you know... And Didn't have any other any other no, side effects. No, no. Side no, effects no. are fairly common with both the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines, and to a lesser extent, uh, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Um, but they're not um, in general, you know, they're not in general severe. Most people have mild side effects, a sore arm. Yeah. I guess I felt I got the Pfizer vaccine, and I felt under the weather for twelve hours um, mm. both times on both shots. But, oh, okay. But, um, you know, the vaccine itself is, you know, you can't get uh, COVID or anything like that from, from taking it. So that leads me to my next question. You kind of answered it is what are the most common side effects after the first or even the second shot? So most common is, is um, muscle pain at the injection site. Uh, some people and um, there's some indication this may be associated with prior COVID infection, but we're not certain about this will have more severe side effects after they get um, either their first or second vaccination, things like um, headache, body aches, chills. Um, headache is fairly common. Um, some people will get a fever. Um, it, in general, the side effects should not last longer than 24 hours. Um, and if they do, then then you should go, you know, either at least call your doctor and, and probably go see your doctor in that case. I know some people who are not taking the vaccine because the uh, they don't want complications from the vaccine to hinder the ability to get pregnant or damage an existing pregnancy. What do you what 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 do you have to say about that? So there's no evidence that uh, taking the vaccination would have any effect on your fertility or ability to get pregnant. Um, when it comes to pregnant women taking the vaccine. Um, the current stance of the CDC and of the American College of uh, Gynecologists is that that is an individual, uh, kind of an individual level decision. Um, there are no controlled tr- clinical trials looking at um, vaccine um, safety in pregnant women. Um, that being said, um, there, are, there are hundreds of thousands to wimp to millions of, of pregnant women um, that have had the vaccine without any without any ill effects. And I think that women should balance um, the risk to their health and subsequent risk to their pregnancy of, of getting COVID um, with whatever perceived risks there are to vaccination. Hmm. Uh, I've, I've heard uh, this, this one's kind of a science fiction sounding. Is this a vaccine or is it gene therapy? Am I being, are we, are we setting ourselves up to be changed at a genetic level or is this truly a vaccine? It's truly a vaccine. Um, for example, for the, there are three vaccines, there are three vaccines that have been uh, approved in the United States. Um, those are the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine. Both of those are, are a new type of vaccine called an mRNA vaccine. Um, a little piece of, of information 
is injected into your, your arm. Um, and that information gets into the cell and then the cell uses that to create a protein that lives on the surface of, that normally would live on the surface of the coronavirus. But that, that little bit of information that gets into your cell, it cannot be transcribed back into your own DNA. That's impossible. Um, it cannot join your genetic code. That is also impossible. And it degrades within a few hours. Um, that, that, little, that little piece of code breaks down within a few hours, and then um, you're no longer going to express any more spike protein. And they've calibrated it so that you express enough of that protein that your body says, oh, this is something I need to respond to. Um, so it is definitely a true vaccine. It uses a foreign protein to teach your body um, how to avoid infection in the future uh, from the coronavirus. And the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is, is similar, but uses kind of an older vaccine technology where we take a, a, a like an existing virus, like a cold virus, um, take out the insides of it, just leave the outer shell, and then put that little piece of, of information about the spike protein inside that shell. And then once it gets into your cells, it's the same kind of process. Your body will make uh, that protein and then your immune system will learn to fight it so that you can't get, or that it's much more difficult for you to contract COVID after that. And, right. um, and then it breaks down, it can't enter your genetic stream. There's no way for it to alter you in that way. So can you explain <clears throat> when you said they inject a piece of information, mm -hmm. I'm afraid somebody might hear that and think uh, they're shooting a microchip in my arm or something. Right. You know, what, what does that mean? A piece of information. So more technically it's a, um, it's a type of, of RNA, um, which means it's, it's just like a, a type of molecule that um, every animal and plant and creature in the, in the whole world uses um, to turn, to, to take that information and then transcribe it into a protein. And in the, those mRNA vaccines, mRNA just stands for memory RNA. Your body will take a piece of your own genetic code, um, do some things to transcribe it, and then eventually create memory RNA that then is turned into um, whatever protein it is that your body wants to make. The well, ribo, in this ribo. case, we start with the mRNA, and mRNA breaks down in your system whenever it's made. Yeah, it's not a it's not a microchip or anything like that. It's just a little piece of the protein that the COVID virus uses to get into your cells. And then COVID vi virus can't get into your cells without that little piece of protein. So mm -hmm. once you once your body has decided that it knows how to fight that, when it sees that protein, anytime it sees that protein, it will have an immediate immune response to it and a robust immune response to it, which in, um, for example, with the, the um, Pfizer vaccination, 95% uh, of the time it prevents you from getting any kind of infection with COVID at all. Um, and it has almost 100% efficacy in preventing you from getting like uh, either moderate or severe symptomatic COVID. So do you think I still need to wear a mask and socially distance after I get my second vaccination, which is coming up next week? I think that people can um, start to, to back down from some of the restrictions that, that the CDC has been recommending um, as we become more vaccinated. So for example, if you're vaccinated and it's been two weeks since your second shot, mm -hmm. um, it's okay for you to congregate with um, other people 
you can congregate in um, settings like like you know immediate family or you know slightly extended family settings. In some cases, um, it's better if you're in the public um, to still wear your mask and socially distance until we uh, until we get to either baseline levels that are that are very low where contact tracing and um, and tracking can um, help contain you know different outbreaks. But since since the vaccines aren't perfect, um, if you're a high risk individual, it's, it, it, I would certainly still recommend that people mask and social distance in those categories. And the CDC still says that you should mask and social distance um, really until they, they take off that recommendation. And part of that is because they, they just wanna keep everybody safe as much as possible. And, and the other reason that I will continue to mask and social distance is that I think it's good modeling for other people. It's good to give other people the example that this is still the best practice. Okay. Uh, if I've already had COVID-19, do I still need to get the shots? Yes. Um, the current recommendation I believe is that um, you should it, you should wait 90 days after active COVID infection to receive the vaccination. Uh, but there's, there's pretty good data that shows that you will have better protection against um, COVID. And then there are a few variants, new variants of the virus now that it's easier for them to get in, easier for the virus to get into your cells, has higher infectivity, like you can give it to other people more easily. And um, for for those reasons, it's best to to go ahead and get the vaccination, even if you've already had COVID, you know, sometime in the last year. My next question was, how does the vaccine work? But you kind of answered that already. They're introducing the protein, so to speak. Yep, and, you're, and, and then you're teaching your body to make the protein um, that the virus uses to get into your cells, and your body will recognize that protein as being something that is foreign to it, and then it will alert your immune system to that, and your immune system will then, anytime it sees that protein, be able to fight it. Are you concerned with uh, the EUA, the emergency use authorization that the uh, FDA gave the vaccines, but they haven't? been fully, wholly approved by the FDA. Is that a concern? Not at this point. Or has I, I think at this point it, it isn't. I think that certainly some, te- some trepidation um, with the vaccines was, it was there even among some public health, you know, figures when we rolled it out, just because um, like you said, we hadn't gone through stage three, you know, all the stage three trials and and we didn't really have, you know, post-marketing data, and it was we were rolling it out on a large in a large um, on a large basis. But in the United States, you know, we have we have um, you know close you know over now 100 million shots in arms, right? I think it's close to 200 million shots in arms on this vaccine, and the number of adverse side effects have been very very low um, for any vaccination like this. T- to me, this is a an absolute nearly unqualified success in a, in a public health triumph, um, getting this vaccine out that fast and, and then how safe it has been um, for the populace. And, and the key, the, uh, the thing I keyed on in there is how fast they did it. Um, that's amazing. Typically, you know, it takes years to get a vaccine approved and yep. phew, warp speed that was done in nine months, 10 months, whatever. They've got big data now and they've got better ways to sequence genes of viruses and they just can, it's a, it's almost miraculous the kind of things that, that um, these virologists can do these days. 
And then when you've got people all over the world all working on the same problem, you know what I mean? And, and the way we can communicate so quickly with each other, it's yep. it's amazing. Yep. It turns out whenever we we all work together toward a toward a particular goal, humans can humans can really do great things. What's up with Johnson and Johnson? What uh, I'm hearing some stuff about uh, they're wanting to pump the brakes on Johnson and Johnson. That's a good question, and in fact, they have pumped the brakes on Johnson and Johnson. Um, there were some reports of um, some unusual uh, types of blood clots in in patients that received the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Um, now it was uh, less than. Um, one out of every million patients that received the vaccine. Um, so it's still unclear whether or not the vaccine was actually the culprit. Um, but um, out of an abundance of caution, um, the CDC and FDA, they all decided to, to go ahead and halt um, continued use of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. They are going to make a decision on Friday whether or not they think that they can um, go ahead and restart use of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. In the U.S., it's it, of the three vac- vaccines that are bit, have been used in the U.S., it's the one that has been used the least. Somewhere around seven and a half million people mm. have received the J and J vaccine. Um, but like I said, I think it was six cases out of all of those all of those folks. So, so I think the take home point there would be that if the the J and J vaccine, if they decide on Friday um, that they're gonna they're gonna restart use of it. Um, I would I would consider it safe. I would take it um, in that case because I think the CDC is definitely now following um, all the science and avoiding politicization of what they're doing and working in a in a very careful and and very thorough way. So I think that it will be fine um, to to take it. And like I said, those blood clots it, they may not have been um, from the vaccine because mm-hmm. the number of clots that were seen in that patient population wasn't very far off what the background rate is. What, uh, how many of us have to be vaccinated? This herd immunity, what percentage before we can, where are we at right now? And where do we need to get to? I know we won't get a hundred percent, but what? So um, in Oklahoma and then also pretty much for the entire country, um, roughly Roughly uh, a quarter to a third of people, depending on where you live, have been fully vaccinated, have had both shots. Um, if they have the, the Moderna or the Pfizer vaccine, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is just one shot. Um, but um, the, the answer, there's not a great answer because no one 100% knows exactly the number we need to get to to reach herd immunity. It kind of depends crucially on uh, which variants of COVID-19 we see in the United States going forward. Um, some of the variants that we're seeing out of South America and out of South Africa and out of England, um, they, are, they are more transmissible. So if, the vac- if it's easier for the virus to get in between, to transfer itself between people, then you have to have more people who are covered by, by vaccination or by having prior infection. Um, we were saying at the beginning of the pandemic that you would need about two thirds of the populace uh, vaccinated, but the it, the virus seems to be able to transmit itself more efficiently than what we thought at first. And now we're probably looking at more like 
somewhere between 80 and 90% of the population needs to be vaccinated before we can um, reach herd immunity and, and have it, you know, basically stamped out. Um, and one of the ways we'll know is just as we, as we follow the numbers, as we follow the, the caseloads down and down and down, um, eventually they will get far enough down that you will be able to see that there's not going to be any more surges. We are in the middle of another surge right now. Um, some of the relaxation of social distancing and masking guidelines has, has led us to, uh, you know, another, albeit smaller surge and hopefully fewer deaths in this surge um, since most of our really vulnerable populations have been vaccinated. Can you, I think I know what herd immunity is all about. I think I understand it, but can you explain the concept behind herd immunity? I can. So um, each person who gets COVID um, will transmit it to, on average, to somewhere between six and eight people. So um, for herd immunity to work, you need each generation that the virus reproduces for it to infect less than one person for each person that gets infected. So if I'm infected and I would normally transmit it to seven people, for example, um, I need um, more than six on average of, of those people to be immunized. So for that number, you would say herd immunity for that is about, 80, about 85%, somewhere around there. Um, and um, so what happens then is the virus, it can't grow. It can't like spread to larger numbers of people because most of the time when it tries to infect someone else, they're already immune. Um, and that's what herd immunity means. It means that most people are immune. And so uh, an outbreak or uh, an epidemic or a pandemic never can get going. I was going to ask about uh, hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin or doxycycline. Doxycycline. I mean, is that are people taking that prescription uh, versus the vaccine, or is that recommended? Or what? if they are trying to use um, medicines like hydroxychloroquine or um, normal antibiotics like doxycycline or azithromycin, um, I've seen talk of people using ivermectin, which is an anti-parasite um, drug. None of those have been shown to be effective at all. So if you, you know, if someone wants to say, well, I don't need to take the COVID vaccination because I'm on hydroxychloroquine, that's not based on the evidence and it's not going to work. It does not protect you from COVID. What protects you from COVID is, is getting vaccinated against COVID. So Dr. Gentius, thanks for your time and for answering some of these uh, um troubling questions, or not troubling, but the, the rumors and uh, helping us, or at least helping me calm down a little bit where it comes to the uh, vaccines. I, uh, I'm in my, I'm in between the one and two. And I was, I heard all these things about two, the second vaccine. And, and <clears throat> to be honest with you, I kind of got a little nervous, a little uh, excited. And uh, I really appreciate you talking me off the ledge there. I, uh, I'm definitely I'm on for the second one. So appreciate you helping me get through that. And everybody who's listening or watching, um, I'm sure that you've answered a lot of questions that they have. And, uh, you know, where can a person go to get more information if after they've heard this, watched it, and they have more questions? Uh, do you, where would they go? Like if they've decided that they want the vaccine or if they want just have general questions about it. Well, like what's in the vaccine or right. what, you know, just 
anything. So um, the CDC has a good um, uh, area on their website that talks about the vaccine. And if they want more local information, um, I would go to the Oklahoma State Department of Health. Um, they can give they can give information about um, what's in the vaccines, where people can go to get one, um, what they should expect whenever they get one, um, and all of those all of those things will be aligned with what I've been saying today. Because um, I try to make sure that I follow the evidence and kind of stay within the wheelhouse of public health on these things. Right. The, the take the take home message is: people go get your shot. Go get your shot. All right. You heard it from Doctor Gentius. Go get your shot. I'm going to go get mine. So uh, I appreciate your time. Thanks for lending your expertise. And it's always good to have you on the show. And you're welcome back anytime. Really glad you stopped by. It was real good talking to you again, Scott. So for Dr. Gentius, this is Scott Townsend. Thanks for joining the Scott Townsend Show. Have a great day. And we'll talk to you later. Scott Townsend Show is a Dietzo Man production. For more episodes, visit the Scott Townsend Show YouTube channel, listen on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Scott.